Hi, this is Terry Gibbons with the Higher Education Leadership Podcast, and I am so excited today because we have a couple of great people joining us. We have Jonathan Lau, who is the Chief Learner Officer for Instride, and we have Michelle Westport, who is the Senior Vice President for Academic Partnerships. And both of these people, I have to say, I'm so impressed with. They have really amazing experience, both in the ed tech space as well as in the education space. Michelle has you know, been herself been somebody who's been able to take advantage of employer-based learning. And so, you know, this is a really great opportunity for us to talk to academic leaders about what's going on in this space and, you know, why um, it's important for uh, academic institutions to be considering these types of partnerships. So I am going to start off with asking these guys a little bit about the mission of Instride. What are your goals in providing educational opportunities for employees? Uh, yeah, no, thanks, Terry, for having us. Um, it's a great question. Um, so really, Instride was founded uh, because we saw a couple of different strains uh, in the adult education system. Right? Um, on one side, you have the learner, right? And we know all the statistics there, right? 60% graduation rate over, like, from six-year uh, six graduation rate, 37 million with some college, no degree, $1.5 trillion of student debt. Um, so, you know, you have a bunch of challenges just from a learner affordability perspective, success rate. Uh, and the fact that over time, right, as we're seeing now, there's a greater and greater need for lifelong learning, right, mm -hmm. for learners to continue to stay engaged and stay uh, relevant. And that, and all those technology disruptions and things that are actually making it harder for the learner are actually also impacting the corporations, right? And so you have the corporation problem, right, of the technology, new entrants, disruption, aging workforce, right, this constant need for new skills. And that's why corporations spend over $180 billion on training. Uh, and you know, 28 billion of it in tuition assistance type programs. And yet, you know, you talk to any corporation, and I'm sure Terry, you talk to a lot of them as well. Right? They always complain, oh, uh, these people don't have this. my workforce doesn't have the skills. The people that are coming out of education that sometimes don't have the skills. Right? I need to go train them. I need to go do a lot of that. And they're spending all this money, and they're not getting kind of the ROI for some of that. Right? So you see, kind of, you have the learner challenges. You have the corporation. And then from a higher education institution perspective, right? We know budgets are tightening. Um, there's this need to go online. There's, there's a shift in demographics where there's less and less folks in that kind of traditional age, more and more in the non-traditional. So the non-traditional becomes more and more the norm. So you see kind of these challenges with kind of all the three different stakeholders. And all these problems actually got worse with COVID-19, right? You have more unemployment, right? And with traditional students not going, uh, even questioning whether they can go back. Corporations that need to change even faster, right? That suddenly everything's online or everything's technology technology savvy, and then you need institutions that, you know, overnight had to go online and they need new sorts of students. So, you know, Instride was really formed to solve the problem for all three of these stakeholders, yep. right? We're a public benefit corporation that's developing the workforce of the future to try to help organizations provide career boosting um, and in many cases, life-changing learning opportunities to their employees through a network of top quality institutions. Um, and in doing so, we're trying to solve the corporate problem by making sure that when we talk to these corporations, we're really understanding what's their strategic goals, what are they trying to do, how does education go map to those goals, and how do we, what's the right way to provide that education for their employees. We solve it for the learner because now we have corporations funding it, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to them funding it themselves. And obviously, you know, when a corporation is funding it, it's aligned to careers at the corporation. So you can imagine now you have career, not just a job, but a career for a learner. And then lastly, from a higher education institution perspective, we're hopefully giving them a different set of enrollments that are funded 
um, by a corporation already that's in a captive audience uh, that are motivated to continue to learn. Great. Um, Michelle, did you have anything to add to that? No, I think that was uh, right on target. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, so I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and, and lots of different forums where people in higher ed are talking about this whole issue. And you've, you've touched on this somewhat, Jonathan, um, the lifelong learner and higher ed. And I believe that higher education institutions should always be finding ways to work with adult learners. But it seems that this will be even more important with the current crisis. Um, so what are your thoughts, um, I mean, Michelle, you can address this, on higher ed institutions finding new ways to engage with adult learners? Terry, you're exactly right about lifelong learning. And at Instride, we actually agree 100%. Um, the topic itself has been uh, debated, but also just in discussion for the last couple of years as we really reimagine what a lifelong learning curriculum or what we call a 60-year curriculum actually looks like. Um, and there's various ways for learners to get access to different forms of education. Um, institutions are now increasingly becoming instrumental in developing on-ramps and off-ramps, um, stackable credentials, and shorter ways for learners to gain industry-relevant um, courses and content. And so we know that the companies that emerge the strongest from this crisis will be the ones that are the most resilient and actually have um, invested in the past, but continue to invest in what we know is their most important asset, their people. Um, universities pay, play a really important role in that. And those that are the best equipped to deliver high quality education and meaningful um, degrees and credentials, um, not just any type of learning. And, and when we look at what's really impactful for a learner, um, it's a little bit more than the just-in-time training or a 30-minute um, LinkedIn video. It's really about how they can take learning um, and create a way in which that's a part of their life on an ongoing basis, but a, a meaningful way that impacts their career. So we're seeing that employers now uh, want to be active participants in the learning ecosystem. Uh, right. And what that means is that we're seeing more online courses. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that um, folks can become better uh, at helping institutions understand what programs to build. Um, and we're really seeing that it's not just about uh, what is out there, but really for institutions looking at ways in which they can differentiate themselves in the market. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah, I was just saying that's so crucial right now because, you know, we have this whole issue of declining enrollments and, you know, I always say, yeah, but there's all these people out there who need, you know, this education as adults. And so why are we paying more attention to, you know, there's this too much focus just on the 18 to 21 year olds and, and not enough on the, um, you know, people who want to you know, need to uh, reskill, upskill, whatever it may be. And, you know, it seems like that's, you know, I mean, you've had that experience, Michelle. So it, it seems like um, uh, this is something we should be paying more attention to just from a demographic perspective. Absolutely. It's a learner uh, interest, but it's also a corporation interest. And, and to Jonathan's point earlier, it's kind of what we're solving for in all of these uh, different areas. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing now in this COVID time, which is interesting, that institutions are recognizing that their 
18-year-old uh, market is actually really becoming an adult workforce market because 18-year-olds mm -hmm. are now thinking, you know, my traditional path of going off to college may be different now. And perhaps I should stay closer to home. And maybe what that means for me is that I find employment that will actually pay for my education. Right. And so the lens of an 18 year old is very different today, right now that we're dealing with COVID than it was six months ago. Um, and so I think institutions are seeing this and institutions are trying to respond to that uh, by being able to create different programs uh, as well. So we're seeing that lifelong learning and the ability to um, identify with all levels of um, the, the workforce, but learners, um, even including that 18 year old. Well, that's absolutely an interesting perspective because I, I was the provost of Menlo College, which is uh, they mainly have business majors. And that was definitely true of a lot of our students. I mean, they were um, already in jobs <laughs> and working. And so we had to make sure that actually a lot of them really preferred, you know, the classes we offered in the evenings because of that. And so I think that's something that we all have to take into account is that, you know, students aren't just work, you know, working, you know, little jobs here and there. They might have a career they're working on while they're in college. Absolutely. And there's so many interesting models um, that higher education is now adopting, whether it's flexible learning or whether they're hybrid models or whether they're actually looking at ways in which um, you know, an, an asynchronous model can help a student to say, I'm going to do three hours in the morning before work, or I'm going to come back to this course uh, in the afternoon or in the evening and be able to make it fit into their lifestyle, which makes a tremendous difference for the working adult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to shift to a, a, a broader question. Um, you know, as the workforce diversifies, how do you see issues around diversity, everything from working parents to English language learners and accessibility impacting the work that you do? So top of mind for CEOs globally in this post-COVID um, recovery phase that they're looking at is, you know, what, is that, what does that really mean for our corporations? Um, Forbes published an article a couple of weeks ago, and it was specifically about how diversity leaders are steering their organizations right now. Um, they featured actually both Starbucks and Uber, um, two corporations that we know invested in their education, obviously working um, closely with those institutions or organizations, but looking at it from the, the lens of um, what does that mean particularly for women or lower income families who are coping right now in this time of COVID with schooling and caregiving um, and home responsibilities, everything seems magnified. Um, so what we're seeing is that we're all gravitating more towards humanity and that will remain in close memories um, when our economies start to peak back up. So when it comes to diversity for employees, um, earning a degree has always been an important way for one to advance their own career. But when we think about what that actually means and building networks at institutions that have a really strong alumni base, mm -hmm. they have touch points that actually become game changing for them. So this is true across the board, regardless of what level they're pursuing, but to be able to bridge that piece of humanitarian efforts for corporations who really care about their employees um, and being able to build and provide for learning opportunities that are 
flexible in nature really creates a, a win-win um, both for um, you know women and and minorities and um, looking at English language learning for instance was one of the things that we tackled uh, in our business uh, and we added an English language um, program and uh, not only do we do this through Arizona State University, but we looked at language in particular, whether it was uh, increasing the level of uh, English proficiency or whether it was non-English speaking employees to have access to education. And we, we added a partnership in Mexico where the degree programs are primarily taught in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So being able to address all of those issues have been um, important parts of what we focused on at Instride. And one of the things in particular um, when it comes to uh, different um, demographics in the workforce, it's important for us to have recognized that flipping the cost model upside down was also an important way uh, for us to look at this. So mm -hmm. unlike traditional tuition assistance programs, which actually generally have a lower um, engagement rate uh, mm -hmm. from diverse uh, learner groups, if you will. Uh, but it actually enables us to um, create a support structure where learners don't bear the upfront costs for the programs and they don't have to wait for reimbursement. And that makes all the difference in the world for our lower wage um, earners uh, to really be able to benefit from higher education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's all, I mean, that's just amazing the, the kind of work you guys are doing because obviously the English language learner stuff is really critical right now as we look at the changing demographics. And that's great that you're working in Mexico as well. That's, that's uh, we did a lot of work um, when I was at UT Austin uh, with Mexico and I was always impressed with the facilities that some of the institutions there had in terms of being able to do online. I mean, this was back in the early 2000s, you know, that they were already jumping into the online learning space and, and uh, being able to do flexible uh, teaching arrangements so students could do could watch lectures asynchronously and, and you know, even HyFlex was, you know, they had some versions of that going on. So, um, yeah, I think there's some really interesting ways to work from from that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so um, for my next question, you know, I, I saw you recently started working with one of my former institutions, the University of Washington. I was there. Um, actually, I started my career as a professor at University of Washington in 1999, many years ago. Um, That's great. And yeah, it's an amazing school, actually. And, and, you know, I know they've been on the forefront with this COVID crisis, um, not only from in terms of where some of the initial um, you know, uh, that people got the virus, but also in terms of the amazing research they're doing. And, and you know, they have a really fantastic um, continuing education program there. And I was wondering if you can use that example to describe the way that you partner with universities. Yeah, absolutely. So um, partnering with research institutions has been a really important part of the way in which we establish the network of institutions for Instride. Um, and starting with a foundational partnership at Arizona State University, 
recognizing that ASU is, is absolutely a core and foundation to what we do, not only having um, learned how to partner with a corporation in an incredible way, starting mm -hmm. with the ASU and Starbucks relationship, and now really being able to scale that um, at Instride. We looked at institutions that have not only a research foundation, but are doing innovative and creative things that are not only friends of Arizona State University in the sense that um, you know, presidents are connected. I'll give you an example. Just today, there's a town hall where uh, the University of Washington president and, and Michael Crow, the president of Arizona State University, are, mm -hmm. are doing a, a webinar together. And so looking at ways in which institutions are like-minded is important to us at Instride because we recognize that putting our heads together and having innovative leaders is an important part of um, not only partnership creation, but building off of the networks that we create. So the University of Washington um, partnership is one in which we were able to recognize that yes, a research institution is doing incredible things um, in the lifelong learning, in stackable credentials, in um, continuing education, and what they call career accelerator programs. Uh, and so the way in which we work with a, an institution and a corporation is that Instride consults with each corporate partner to really understand what are the workforce development needs of that corporation and understand what their broader business goals are. And by doing that, we can create an education program that matches what a corporation needs by identifying um, what institutions offer the types of programs that might be relevant to what the corporation needs. So with that understanding, we're able to pair up a corporation and a university and, and our network um, in general to be able to offer programs that are best suited to a corporation's particular needs. Um, and so Instride manages the administration of the education programs for a corporation. Um, Instride, to Jonathan's point earlier, builds a microsite and Jonathan's team is um, exceptional at, at putting all of those pieces together. I'm probably um, butchering and leaving out uh, you know, <laughs> 10 things that his team does. So I'll have him jump in um, here. But, but it's important for us to um, do all of those things as, as a part of what Instride does. What am I leaving out, Jonathan? Yes, let us uh, jump. Go ahead and feel free to jump in, Jonathan. You need no to worries. I think uh, you've done a terrific job, Michelle. No worries. Keep going. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're being nice to each other, but you don't see us on a regular basis. Like we're, we actually go back and forth on on different ideas. It actually, makes it um, incredibly um, impactful to be able to solve some of these problems together and be able to test ideas and and push on each other for for different ways. So I'm actually surprised, Jonathan, you're not pushing back on any of my. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you want to add anything, Jonathan, to, to what we've been talking about so far? No, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I agree with everything that both of you have been saying. I think it's, it's very exciting, the opportunities that we have to work with such amazing partners. Um, you know, again, folks that Michelle knows, but folks also that just, you know, are referred to us by other of our amazing partners. Right. And the goal is hopefully as we build up this, you know, not a tremendously large network, but a, you know, a good network of high quality institutions uh, we can work with them, not just kind of offering 
just tuition, you know, education programs and online education, but we can work, uh, connect them to corporations in other ways. Right. right? Um, I think it's, as Michelle alluded to, everything from you know, doing research or faculty or interactions and having, bringing folks together and convening them a little more to talk about how we bridge uh, this, uh, you know, sometimes what may seem like a, just how to navigate, right? Uh, when, when, if you're a corporation, you're working in HR, you've been told to like, um, train your people or mm -hmm. help your people learn more. And you sit there and you say, well, I, <laughs> I've probably been at my job for a while. I probably, you know, learned how to be an HR person. I have no idea how to navigate universities or anything, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, you would naturally just go to maybe just a, you know, a library of videos or something, right? And that's because that's easy, right? Yep. There's a sales team comes to you and you sign up a library of videos. And, but that may not be actually the best thing and the highest quality thing you can give your employees, right? And then similarly, if you're in academia and you're saying, well, I got to go do new, create new enrollments, or I want to go, you know, work with corporations more, and I want to understand what their needs are. Again, a lot of times it's it, it's not the easiest, like most straightforward way. Like, how mm -hmm. do I figure out how, who the person is that I need to talk to? How do yes. I navigate a corporation, right? So it's it's kind of interesting, right? In the corporation side, you're like, what do you mean? There's like a hierarchy, you know, these roles, there's like the titles, <laughs> right? And then if you're in the academic side, you're like, what do you mean? Like, there's the promo, like the yeah. Well, on the academic side, you know, faculty is supposed to be, you know, in charge of a lot of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so you know, are you asking them to be biz dev people, like business development people as well? Or, yeah. So so I think that's the interesting thing, though. I think what we're like we have this wonderful opportunity to be that kind of connector between the two. Well, um, you know, yeah, it's interesting, Jonathan and Michelle, because, you know, the way I see it, having been a professor and a center director and provost and all that, is it's like fitting together the pieces of a puzzle, because you've got the, the, the corporations out here who, like you were saying, Jonathan, who have these needs, and then you've got the institutions that are have something to offer, but don't necessarily know how to offer it in the best way. And it, and it seems to me like these partnerships are, you know, a, a, a fantastic way to to connect the right corporation with the right institution and the right, you know, because it seems like employees really value, you know, the opportunity to get, you know, it's, I, I know lots of people who are like, wow, you know, uh, Arizona State has been, um, you know, has is working with Starbucks. So we want to go work for Starbucks because there's this great opportunity there. And they're going to, you know, want to stay with Starbucks. And so I think these kinds of things are, you know, it, it's just a win-win situation all around, but it is difficult in the sense that you do have to have somebody who's fitting together those puzzle pieces. You know, it's interesting that you say puzzle pieces and, and Michael Crow, who's not only one of the most um, innovative, but inspirational leaders in higher education, calls it Lego blocks. And those Lego blocks really need to fit together. And when you look at a corporation and you look at uh, an education um, institution, they don't always fit together so nicely. Um, and being able to construct that, what we call boundary spanning opportunity is, is really what it's about. And so um, when, uh, when Michael Crow introduced the, the Lego block idea at, at the ASU GSV conference yep, last I year. I was there for that. You were there, right. <laughs> and that, that's something that people remember and, and yep. they, it resonates because it's so real um, and the visual representation of what those Legos mean um, mm -hmm. to our world is, is just um, extraordinary. 
Yeah, I, I agree completely. As soon as you said that, I could visualize that, that talk because it was very impactful in the sense that you could see how, you know, they were going to work towards getting all these pieces. It's like, it, it's almost, you know, I'm a big fan of Michael Crow, but, um, you know, it's almost like saying, okay, are, we're going to take responsibility as an institution to work with corporations and businesses and say, we want to make sure that, you know, we're giving our, obviously you want to give your students, um, you know, the best possible liberal arts education, et cetera. But, you know, if you're going to, if you want to be an engineer, you know, you want to get that engineering training, you know, if you want to go into business, you want to make sure, you know, as a provost of a business college, we wanted to make sure that our students, if they were learning marketing, that they were learning the latest techniques in marketing. And, and that meant collaborating with businesses in the area to, to help us understand what the best way to teach those subjects were, um, you know, because things change over time. So I really appreciated that that discussion and, and you know this idea of corporations and, and and institutions, you know, using their own strengths to build to create the building blocks for what can be the the real future of work. Exactly right. So I was a good tutor or a good student when I was watching <laughs> my folk <laughs> We're always students. We are always students. <laughs> well, I am a lifelong learner and, and I'm learning all about entrepreneurship and all those kinds of things now. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't hurt to be a political scientist. But in any case, um, so, you know, our audience is mainly academic leaders. And from your perspective, what are the challenges that you see for higher ed as we go into the next academic year? And, you know, what are some of your thoughts around the ways we can kind of work, continue to work towards that innovation and, and kind of future of work idea um, while, you know, still having to, to looking at these, the broader issues that we're going to have around the constraints with online learning and, and you know, remote teaching and, and, you know, just the broader crisis. Yeah, and I don't think that you would ask anyone in higher ed anywhere in the world uh, and get a different answer than absolutely there will be challenges in the next yes. academic year. So yeah. um, it's it's there we're in unprecedented times um, here in the U.S. but also around the world, and in higher ed in particular, the the questions become what will happen to our campus experience yes um what what do we continue how do we continue to operate and then how do we grow um leaders are are asking themselves how do we keep our communities safe our learning communities and then our broader communities because the the places by which universities sit is is you know expansive of um, their local communities as well. So mm -hmm, in exactly the term like those those are like big big questions that um, leaders are asking themselves. In the longer term, I think it becomes how do institutions differentiate themselves, and I mm -hmm. think that those questions will start in the next academic year. Um, yes. And what that means is you know, do we, um, you know, invest in an online infrastructure? Um, do we go back to our old ways and, and create a business as usual, um, you know, framework or mentality? Uh, do we adopt hybrid models um, that, that are um, sort of functioning, um, if you will? And I think that leaders are asking themselves those questions right now and, and trying to figure out the way forward. Mm -hmm. um, Instride is focused on helping um, institutions of higher education in, in a lot of different ways. 
Number one, um, recognizing that uh, quality higher education is different than distance education, but we can make that more accessible and more affordable for all learners. Mm -hmm. um, we want to do that by connecting institutions and corporations, um, corporations who are sponsoring learning for their workforces. And so we come um, with a solution to some of these problems, maybe not all of these problems, but looking at how we can align higher education, uh, the needs of higher education, which we see, and, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Terry, is declining enrollments. Yep. How do we impact declining enrollments by being able to be um, you know, an enrollment opportunity and bring incremental enrollments um, to academic partners? Uh, one of the things that institutions are uh, challenged with right now is understanding what the future markets look like. And so being able to provide live market data and insights around what types of programs to build, um, what types of programs to bring online, and how those programs can be aligned with industry-relevant content um, is an, a really important part of the challenges that institutions are facing today, but also one of the things that we're solving for, and it's an incredibly exciting time. So it's one of those things, you can be in a challenging space. I think Jonathan, you probably know the quote better than me, but you can be in a challenging time, but that actually also brings out a lot of exciting opportunities as well. So the space continues to evolve, um, and, and we recognize that there's challenges everywhere, uh, but it's also an incredibly exciting time to be able to solve for this. And um, the next year in, in academia will be different for faculty. It'll be different for administrators. It'll be different for learners. Um, and then ultimately, it'll be different for the way in which corporations um, work together with institutions. So it, it's a great time. Wouldn't you say so, Jonathan? Yeah, I think the, uh, to your point, Michelle, I think the most interesting thing that's happening, um, and it's obviously happening across multiple industries, is just the rate of change has just, right, brought, like, just significantly yep. accelerated, right? I think uh, what we assumed would take many years before things went more online, where things went more, where, you know, the, the disruption that we were talking about of having corporations participate more, fund more, be more part of the dialogue. I think all of those things basically have moved significantly faster. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's probably one of the most interesting challenges because it's the same, it's actually ironically, on one side, we talk about the, you know, education institutions being on one side of our, uh, you know, so-called, you know, connection of one of our stakeholders in terms of being helping us work with corporate partners, but educations themselves, like education institutions themselves are a large company, a large employer, mm -hmm. and they also have a workforce, mm -hmm. right? And so how do they educate their own workforce to change the way that they educate right? is actually <laughs> as interesting a problem, right? It, it's kind of a funny thing, right? It's, it's like, well, wait a minute, uh, you all had to go online overnight. Yeah. How do you go make sure people know how to go online? Yeah. How do you make sure they know how to use an LMS and you know build new tools and build new teaching in all of those things? And now that's gotten so fast, right? Yeah. And so I think who, so I think what's going to be really important is who 
these institutions, who all these institutions decide to work with and who they partner with. Because I think it's going to be, it is, you know, I think in a perfect world, they would have had lots of time where they could have maybe gone it alone in many of these cases. Um, and I think with everything going on now, there's going to be just a premium on moving a little bit faster. And in that, and, and when they have to move a little bit faster, who can they work with to help them with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've touched on so many important issues just in, in that short uh, set of sentences. And, and I'm, you know, I, I wish we could talk longer, but um, we are getting to the end of our time. And this has just been such an inspiring conversation for me because I've really been looking at these issues. Yeah, I've been to ASU GSV and heard Michael Crow talk about these, these topics. And, and I've you know, definitely been inspired by the kind of work you guys are doing. And you know the opportunities that are being created for for people from all different types of backgrounds to continue their educations to keep moving forward in their careers and I just think the work you guys are doing is just critical for the future. I mean, your your company has a bright future because this is just we're at the early stages of all of this, and it's definitely going to be something that uh, the people who we work with and and speaking of continuing education, that's the you know, we're we're the, I would remind everyone that the Center for Higher Education Leadership is about leadership developments, and even people with PhDs sometimes need to learn a little bit more about how to manage people and all those kinds of things. So, um, thanks again. Jonathan and Michelle. And um, yeah, I, I look forward. We should do this again sometime. This was really fun. Absolutely. Let's double click on any of these ideas. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Anytime. Take care. Thanks, okay. Guys. Take Bye. care. All right. Bye-bye.